I want to remind you of why are we doing this. So what is the reason we study spiritual practices? And uh, there was a quote that I shared last week that I think is really important, and it's this one. It says, the classical practices of spiritual life call us to move beyond surface living and into the depths. And I believe that to be true. I, I really believe that when we fully buy into these practices, we are pulled out of a surface-level understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And, and I think that's true for most of us. In fact, myself as well. I, I believe that I even get caught up in this rut of living on the surface and these practices are geared to helping us draw into a deeper understanding of who God is. In fact, last week I, I spoke about three practices which I called inward practices. Uh, the practices of prayer, study, and meditation. Uh, and one of the things I said last week that I still believe to be true is that the goal is knowing God, not knowing more. And I want to encourage you in this is that when we study these practices, when we do these practices, the goal is knowing God, not knowing more, not doing more. But I also wanted to take a moment and talk about all of these practices for a moment. This was something that I felt pretty passionate about. And it's that um, each practice I talk about in and of itself really uh, has no value by itself. Anybody can pick up the Bible and read it. Anybody can think about positive things, like I talked about last week in meditation. Anybody can do that. And, and anybody can really try to say a prayer, but what, where these practices get their value is when we allow these practices to usher us into community with God. And that's the challenge, right, is that all of these practices we talk about the goal is to draw us into a deeper understanding of who God is. And today, um, I'm going to talk about three more practices, things that I'm calling outward practices. And as much as these practices are geared on drawing you into a better understanding of who God is, now we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk about what it looks like for you to help others draw into a deeper understanding of who God is, and that's an incredibly important part of this conversation. Before I do that, I'd like to say a prayer, and then I'm going to just jump right on in. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the chance that we get to be together here. Thank you for your spirit that is present with us, and I pray today that you would just bless, bless our hearts. Father, let my words be yours and not mine. Help us to be encouraged and challenged. And ultimately, God, help us to draw closer to you. Father, we thank you for the hope that we have in you because of your son. That's his name that we pray. Amen. Okay, so this week, uh, we're talking about outward practices, and I want to specifically talk about freedom. Something that we'd all, we all love, right? Freedom. Um, last week, I talked about that, that these practices give us a lot of freedom, and, and this week, I want to focus on that word, freedom. And I believe that the spiritual practice of submission gives us the most freedom possible. Now, most of you are going to think, how do you combine submitting to something and freedom? Those two usually don't go together. And in our worldly sense, you're right. Those two words don't often go together. 
But when we submit to Jesus, I'm going to argue that we are free to do so much with our lives. And like I said last week, I want to cover each practice with Scripture, and so I'm going to do that today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 8. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will be up on the screen. Mark chapter 8, we're going to read verses 34 through 36. It says this, Then Jesus, well, then calling to the crowd to join his disciples, he said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? All right, so a couple really important points here that I think are really important in the conversation of submission. Jesus is talking to a crowd of people, so not just disciples, but a crowd of people, and says, if you want to be a follower of me, here's what you have to do. Now, one thing Jesus is not saying is he does not say you have to hate yourself. So self-denial does not mean self-hatred. I think that Jesus, each, each and every one of us, are created in the image of God, and we should celebrate that. I don't think that Jesus is saying that the uniqueness that each one of us has is not important. I think that's incredibly important. But I will say that Jesus is saying, and in my version it says, give up your selfish ways and take up your cross and follow me. Jesus knows what he's about to do, right? He's, he knows what it means to take up your cross. He knows that 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 means that he is going to die and he is challenging his, his followers and the people who are wanting to be a follower of Jesus that that is the same mindset they have to take. So when I talk about freedom, specifically freedom and submission, there are a couple of things that I want to hit on when we talk about freedom. And when you submit to Jesus, you are free to do a couple of things, really three. Number one, when you submit to Jesus, you are free to give your plans to God. In college ministry, over the last eight years, I've spent so much time in conversations with students about what is my path, what am I trying to do with my life. I am supposed to be a doctor or a nurse or a teacher or an engineer. That is my call in life. And yet we should all know that if we fully follow Jesus, our call in life is to follow Jesus. You get the chance to be a doctor or a nurse or a teacher or an engineer. And you get to live out God's mission through those, but your call first and foremost is to be a follower of Jesus. And when your life doesn't go the way you planned for it to go, when you submit to Jesus, you are free to still follow Jesus when your plans don't work out. You are free to do it. Number two of things that you are free to do when you follow Jesus and you submit to his will in your life you are free from the terrible burden of getting things the way you want them to go. You are, you are free when you follow Jesus from the burden of getting things the way you want them to go. And, and that's a really big point I'd like to make, is that for so many of us, we follow Jesus or we go to church because they're doing things the way we want them to or we like what they're doing over here and... So we're going to just go over there. But when you follow Jesus, you're free from that burden. And, and let me tell you, 
It's a beautiful thing when you accept that you're free from that. Number three, the thing you are free to do when you submit and follow Jesus is you are free to fully love people the way God has called you to. So when you follow Jesus, you are free to love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You're free to do that. You're also free to love your neighbor as yourself. When you follow Jesus, you are free to do that. You are free to love your enemy. You're free to love the people you don't like, the people you disagree with, the people that see things the same way you do, and the people who don't see the, sa- uh, the things the same way you do. When you follow Jesus and submit to his will in your life, you are free to love people regardless of how they feel. And so here's something I want to get at too is why do we know we're free when we submit to Jesus? And I would argue that the cross is the symbol of ultimate submission. I, I'm reminded in the garden, right, Jesus, right before he goes to be crucified, he says this prayer, God, if you can take this cup, take it, but your will be done, not mine. Jesus shows us what it means to take up your cross. And it says that, God, your will be done in my life, not my will. And when we can accept that, you are free to live into this incredibly beautiful life that God has in store for you. And I believe that. And so I want to challenge you um, to remind yourself of the freedom that you get when you submit. And so that's, that's spiritual practice number one of the day. It's going to be the hardest one, most likely, over the course of this sermon series, is submission. Because it means that you have to deny yourself and what you want and follow Jesus. That's, that's spiritual practice number one. If the cross is the ultimate symbol of submission, my hope is that you see that the towel will become the ultimate symbol of service. That's spiritual practice number two, is the practice of service. Now, there are a couple of places in scripture that I love when we talk about what it means to serve, and I really just couldn't pick between one or two, so you're just going to get both. Um, and I'm excited to, to talk about these two. If you have your Bibles, turn to, turn to John chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Before I read this, I have to kind of lay some groundwork for what this passage means to me. I love John chapter 13 through John chapter 17. Some of my favorite, some of my favorite chapters in the Gospels, because this is where Jesus is about to leave his disciples He knows he's about to go and be crucified, and yet he sits with his disciples at the Last Supper. And I can just imagine that conversation that these disciples and Jesus were having in this moment. So these last, you know, these these four chapters, John 13 through John 17, go read them. And, And here's what I would say is when Jesus is saying this to his disciples for the last time, we should probably take note of what he's saying. And and so when he starts this, though, he doesn't just start with jumping off into the conversation. He starts with this. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved the disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and returned to God. 
So he got up from the table, he took off his robe, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. He poured water into a basin, and then he began to wash the feet of his disciples, drying them with a towel he had around him. We're going to jump forward uh, to verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow, so do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth, slaves are no greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends this message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. When I think about what it means to serve, there are a couple of things that Jesus does here that's really important when we understand what it means to serve. One um, is Jesus served. So let me challenge you for a minute. There's nobody in this room that is bigger than service. There's nobody in this room that is too big to serve. And here's, here's, here's a challenge. I believe that if you follow Jesus, service is an expectation. It is not an option. And so when you fully submit to Jesus and his will for you, we are going to have to serve because there is no other option. Here's another thing that this passage does really well, is it shows us there is, that there is not a job that we are too big for. Jesus, in this moment, none of these, I can imagine, none of these disciples were going to do it, right? They all get in this room, they know their feet are dirty, they know they need to be clean, but nobody's going to do it. So I can only imagine them sitting around saying, you know, okay, who's going to wash the feet? Because it's not going to be me. And Jesus walks in and takes his robe off and puts a towel on and says, I will do it. So my challenge for you is, what are we doing? What does service look like in in your life? There are opportunities to serve. This church has a a number of opportunities to serve. But really, here's here's what I want to say about service too that's really important is I I argue service kind of needs to make sense to you. There, there's, a, there's a saying, we all have a marketplace of our life, right? And it kind of goes back to biblical times. The marketplace was where everybody met. When you went to the market, that's where everybody was. And each one of us has a marketplace for our life. Each one of you has, um, has a neighborhood, has a school, has a work, has a grocery store. Each one of us have a place to serve. My question would be, are you challenged to serve those people around you? And so, as I, as I kind of switch a little bit, I want to I go to another passage that, I, again, I absolutely love, and it's John, um, did I skip some? Yeah, I, skipped, I think I skipped some, but we're going to just, if you have your Bibles, uh, go to John chapter 13. Uh, John chapter 13, starting in verse, um, no, I'm sorry. Y'all, I'm so sorry. Go to Matthew 20. I have it. Matthew 20, starting at verse 25. 
This is a moment where these two disciples, right, their mom, just came to Jesus and said, I would like for my sons to sit at your right and at your left. And Jesus tells his disciples this. When the ten, first off, when the other ten disciples heard what had happened, they were mad, obviously. So when the other ten heard about this, they were indignant with the other brothers. And Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must become your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We talk about leadership, and, and Jesus challenges his disciples, he challenges the world around him, he challenges each and every one of us to view leadership so much differently, right? He, he argues the Gentiles, they have a perception of what it means to be a leader, that they stand on top and they just push their leadership down on other people. And yet Jesus says, if you are going to lead in my kingdom, you first have to become a servant and a slave. And I would argue that the best way to lead people to understand who Jesus is, is to serve them. It's to serve them. And so, let me, let me remind you that service is, I believe, an expectation when you submit to God. Here's something else, too. Is there's a couple of those freedoms that I was talking about. When you submit to God, you are free from the burden of getting things the way you want them to. Here's, I'm going to combine these two. Your service should not be dependent on if things are going the way you want them to go. It's easy, right, to like, I'm not going to serve over there because I don't like what's going on. You're, not hurt, I mean, you're only hurting the people who you're serving when you do that. So let me challenge you for a minute. None of these things, when you submit to God, you are free to serve wherever he puts you. So let me challenge you to do that. We talk about service, and I know that service looks different for each and every one of us. I also want to talk about one more practice, and that's going to be the practice of giving. David, thank you for, for speaking on giving, and, and you are absolutely right. Giving is a practice. Um, giving is 100% a practice, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I understand you start talking about money, and you start talking about giving, and people kind of get a little uncomfortable just be uncomfortable for a minute. It's going to be okay. I'm not the most comfortable either. Um, but let me just tell you that when you submit to God, just like service is an expectation, I will argue that giving is an expectation when you submit to God. And I think that when we submit to God, we are free to give out of joy and out of excitement. And, and I think that's a really important thing to get, get, get through to, to us as a church, to us as Christians, to the world, is that when you submit to God, you are free to give freely. I want to go to one more passage. It's going to be John, 1 John, sorry, 1 John, verses 3, I'm sorry, verses 16 through 18 says this, we know that real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money, 
to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can you, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. So we know what real love is. We know what it means to be loved and it's to, to be sacrificed for, right? Jesus gave his life for us. That's what real love looks like. And, and maybe God's not calling each and every one of us to, to be sacrificed physically for the people around us, but God is saying, and I do believe this is true, that when you submit to him, you are free to give. As, 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 as this letter talks about, right, if you see somebody in need and you don't give, how can God's love be in that person. Now, I know immediately we start talking about money and people get like uncomfortable because, you know, it's all personal and I get it. I get it. But I get asked a lot. I've done um, studies with college kids. I did one study in Lubbock and we, we did a financial piece here at, at Rams for Christ. And, and each time I talk to students, I encourage and challenge the importance of, of the habit of giving. Because I think we all know that when, you, when you're not in the habit of giving, it is so much harder to get into the habit. And, and it's important for a church body to give to the work that's happening here. And that's, I mean, if I could give you the one challenge that I get every time I talk about giving is that why you know why give to a church why is it important to give to this church and uh that's a great question ask mitch freeman all seriousness mitch and i talked um one thing i do know that if you have questions if you if you are you just want to know what it looks like to give to this church what it means to give why you should give what this church is doing i know that mitch would be would be happy to talk to you about that um, but let me also challenge you for a minute. Why give? Well, when you give to a church like this, you say that I value children's ministry. That I care about youth ministry. I care about college students. I care about college ministry. I might not go and serve directly, but when I give, I care about those things. I care about Rush Street. I care about senior adults. I care that this facility is used every week, and I care that we can still sit here every Sunday and do this. When you give, it says that you care about those things. And I believe that when you give, it says that you have submitted to God fully. And as I said about service, giving cannot and should not be dependent on if things are going the way that you want them to go. Because you are free to give and trust that God is doing amazing things through this place. And as somebody on staff here, I can attest that God is doing some incredible things. And I want to invite you into that with us. Whether that's through service physically, or whether that's through giving, or I would argue probably through both. I want to challenge you to submit to God in these ways. When I talk about outward practices, why are these important? Well, I believe that each one of these practices will help us to show people who don't know who God is the incredible, beautiful heart that is God. 
And when we submit, we are free to do all this. We can do it with a, with a cheerful heart, with, with joy and excitement, and no fear. And so let me challenge you today to give, to serve, to submit. What does that look like for you as an individual? And, and do it. Submit and live into the mission and the vision that God has for you. Here in a minute, there are going to be men and women around the room who are willing to pray with you and for you. And again, like I said last week, I encourage you, those are not just moments where um, if you're having a hard time, I mean, this is, a, this is a practice for our church. Pray with each other. Pray with our leaders. Let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll close in song. God, thank you for today. Thank you for your heart. Thank you for the love that you have for us. Father, I pray for this church. And the, the history of service and giving this church has, God, I pray that we continue to live into that fully. And the ministries that, that, that function here, the, the people that are helped here, God, I pray that you would open up doors to do that better and, and open up more doors. Father, help us to submit each and every one of us, our lives to you. Use us in so many good ways to show your glory and your honor to people around us. Father, I pray that these practices will help us draw to a deeper understanding of who you are and help others draw to a deeper understanding of who you are. Father, again, I pray for your spirit to be present as we finish up today. Just guide us and go with us each and every day. Use us in beautiful ways to show your glory and honor to the people around us. Thank you again for your son, Jesus. It's his name that we pray. Amen.